0: Good morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, I trust that you'll uh, turn in them to the book of Ephesians. And this morning I want to talk from the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. I want to talk to us this morning about the blessings that we have in Christ. I've been thinking about the blessings. I remember the uh, songwriter, Jonathan Anthem, who uh, wrote to him, count your many blessings, name them one by one. And then I asked myself, well, where, where do we begin? Where, where do we begin to count these blessings? And in fact, uh, really, what are the blessings? Is, is God blessed by the things that I do? Well, I'm sure he can be. Is God blessed because of the missionaries that we send out around the world? And I'm sure he is. But is God dependent upon what we do in order for Him to be blessed? Does God's blessings count on us? Does it count on me? Well, in some ways, yes, it does. However, God's blessings really are all about Him. His blessings are because of Him and Him alone. And if he is going to be blessed through you, or he's going to be blessed through me, he's going to be blessed because of what we do for him. So it's really not about us. It's all about him. And so as we come to our uh, passage this morning, uh, I'm going to take it uh, in the order that we have it here. So we're not going to read through the whole section at one time. We're going to work our way through it. And there are three different sections that we have here that I'd like for us to focus on as we count our blessings. First of all, we want to uh, praise God for Christ, okay? And we want to praise uh, God for uh, 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 the, the call of Christ, okay? And uh, then we want to also uh, praise God for Christ's care. So we want to praise God for Christ's call. We want to praise God for Christ's care. Now look at the, let's look at two points under uh, praising God for Christ's call. The first thing that we read in verse 1 deals with both of these points. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ. First of all, let me suggest to you, if we aren't saints on earth, we will not be saints in heaven. If you're not being what God wants you to be here, you're not going to make it there. Where do we begin? We begin right here. And Paul reminds us, first of all, about uh, his call, Paul's call, his personal call from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, What was Paul like before B.C., before Christ. What was Paul like? He was a young man at the time of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was probably a young boy, being raised by rabbis and religious leaders, to become a rabbi himself. He is learning from the rabbis everything that he needs to know to be a good rabbi. What did these rabbis think of Jesus? Doesn't the New Testament tell us that the religious leaders loved him, they adored him, they did everything to make him the Messiah? Not in my Bible. In my Bible it teaches us that these religious leaders, even though the Lord Jesus Christ did everything to represent God from heaven. They did everything to undermine the ministry that he had. And they were inculcating into this young rabbi student an intense dislike for this man who was named Jesus. He is not with us, he is against us, was the teaching that Paul had. And so when we meet Paul, we discover that his call was personal because he had a, an intense hatred towards all Christians. He did everything he could to arrest them, to put them in jail, and to shut them up once and for all. These Christians were turning the world upside down, and Paul was not going to have anything about, of, of that. And so what does Paul do? He gets letters. Now he's a grown man, a, a, a young rabbi. He wants to make some credentials for himself to be recognized. And how can he do that? Well, I'm going to get these Christians and I'm going to put them in prison and I'm going to make them pay the price. And so in all of his enthusiasm, he gets all the credentials that he needs from the religious leaders to antagonize all the Christians and put them in jail and beat them and destroy them. And in fact, he is standing at Stephen's crucifixion or stoning and is giving consent to it, saying, yay, throw another rock, throw another stone, keep on doing it. And now he's on the road to Damascus. And he comes and he has a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus. A light comes from heaven. He's thrown to the ground. He can't see. His whole world now is turned upside down in a moment of time. And a voice cries from heaven, his name is not Saul. (laughs) His name name is not Paul. His name is Saul. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who, who, Who are you? Didn't even know who he was. Had no interest in knowing who he was. He came into the world to identify himself as the Savior. He portrayed himself to the world as the Son of God. He told everyone, if you have seen the Father, you have seen me. I have come to to do the will of my Father. Did they believe it? No, they didn't believe it. And now the Son of Heaven comes down and speaks to Paul on that road to Damascus, and his whole life is radically changed. Lord, Lord, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting these rabble-rousers, these Christians. No, Paul, you're, you're, you're persecuting me. And his whole life was turned into topsy-turvy, And so, Paul says, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Okay, Lord, the change that took place wasn't because of what rabbis taught me. It was because of what the Son of God did in my heart and my life. The rabbis blinded my spiritual sight. The light from heaven opened my spiritual eyes. Once I was blind, but now I can see. And so Paul marches to the backside of a desert for three years. And he now has to reevaluate everything that he'd been taught through his Judaism. And now he sees how the Old Testament 330 plus scriptures were pointing to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one whom he was persecuting. And now he has a new message, a message of hope, a message of redemption, a message that can change people's lives once and forever. He had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, and when we have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, our lives should be changed. All things should pass away, and all things should become new. What has happened to our church today is a disgrace. It's very difficult to tell today between a Christian and an unchristian. There was a time when there was a clear distinction when a child of God walked like a child of God. He acted like a ch- child of God. He looked like a child of God. Today, sometimes you can't even tell if a person is really born again or not. Well, maybe I think they are. Maybe they could be. What a shame. There should be no ambiguity about your stand with Jesus or my stand with Jesus. The world in which you and I live is trying to drive the church underground. Are we going to go underground or are we going to stand up and say, Lord, I am yours, whatever takes place. But not only do you see that his call is personal, but you see that his call is practical. For he says, by the will of God to the saints. It's practical. What is Paul concerned about now? One, he got saved. He wasn't concerned about his own reputation. He was now concerned about the Lord Jesus Christ and bringing people into the fold of the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead of persecuting Christians, he wants to make Christians. What a change takes place in his life. And and there's a practical outreach, so he's going around. And Paul begins as a missionary. He begins and he's establishing churches. Churches. And little by little, churches are being formed in one little community after another. And Paul then moves on to another place to establish another church. He leaves different leaders involved in those churches. And then later on, Paul now becomes a a missionary pastor, going back to those different churches and trying to encourage them and establish them and to get them to be strong in their commitment to the Lord and their commitment to each other. And so he now has a, a practical outreach. He, it begins with a personal outreach, his encounter with Jesus, and now his encounter with people who need to know Jesus, who are going to go to a godless eternity unless they know the living Lord, the one that he went at one time persecuted. But notice that it is also a powerful message. He's writing not to the saints who are at Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. So it, it's a powerful message that transformed people's lives and gave them a new standing before God and allowed them to enter in to the family of the church. But then also we see our call, and it is by God, and it is to those who are faithful in Christ. Know who you are. Know what you are. Know why you are. Who who are you as a Christian? And Paul is trying to let these believers know who they are as Christians. Who are they? Who are you? They are sinners saved by grace. They are just like Paul, who were men and women who were in rebellion against God. They didn't see their rebellion. They were blind. And now, through the gospel message, they were able to see the truth and see themselves as God saw them. As sinners, yes, but as sinners that God was concerned about, that God cared about, that God wanted to be saved and and sanctified. But then not only know who you are, know what you are. You are a saint now. (laughs) What is a saint? A saint is somebody That wasn't what he ain't. He's not what he was, okay? A saint is a person that is now what? Separated from a life in the past that was not complementary to the things of God. Oh yes, we can have all of the instructions from heaven and live like the devil and not really be what God wants us to be. The children of Israel had a formal religion but they didn't have an informed savior. They didn't have an informed understanding of the prophets and the scriptures that were pointing to the Messiah. The Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Oh, they were wonderful terms. It made them feel kind of fuzzy on the inside and gave them a a little jolly spirit of their spiritual condition. But it blinded them to the truth of what was being said. There is a savior. There is a wonderful counselor. There is a mighty God. There is a loving father. There is one who cares and wants you to live a life that is sanctified and separated to him. And know why you are. What are you? You are here because of Christ. The why is Jesus. He loved you. He gave his life for you. And he gave his blood on the cross so that whosoever will could come to know him as Lord and Savior. Now let's look at verses 12 through 14, the next section. Praise God for Christ's care. And there's three points that I see here. Number one is in verses 2 through 6. We're chosen by the Father. You are special. The second thing we see, we are redeemed by the Son. And that should be verses 7 through 12, not verses 7 through 21. You are redeemed by the Son. You're saved. Isn't that great? And the third thing is, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You have a special mark. It's God's mark on you. Boy, do we have a lot to be thankful for. Paul had a lot to be thankful for. The believers that he was ministering to had a lot to be thankful for. And they could give praise and glory to God and bless God for the blessings that they now have in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the darkness has been invaded by the light. Once they were blind and now they're able to have their eyes opened. they had that operation that only God can perform that not only opened their eyes but touch their hearts and change their whole bodies. The first thing that we see is in verses 2 through 6. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. When you become a child of God, Paul says, hey, do you know what happened? (laughs) You know why you need to recognize the blessing of God? God blessed you. When you accepted him as your savior, do you know what God blessed you with, child of God? Grace and peace. The product of your redemption, the product of your salvation is the grace and the peace that only Jesus can bring. One of the first things that a child of God, a person that becomes a child of God says is, I never knew the peace that I know now. Because when we become a Christian, the peace of God passes all understanding. And so he talks about the grace of God and the peace of God. What is the grace of God? We, we, we mentioned that the grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. The grace of God is everything that Jesus did to redeem you and set you free from the curse of sin, from the damnation of hell, and give you a road that would lead you to victory and to heaven. Amen? You are a quiet congregation. We need some more Pentecostals in here, I think. I mean, Baptist Pentecostals, of course. So we we recognize that that there is this wonderful truth that he he reminds us of here. And we have the, the, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he goes, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All of the blessings that we have are heavenly blessings. Why? Because they come from the heavenly Lord, and they come right from heaven to you. So they are heavenly blessings, my friend, and we need to rejoice in the heavenly blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. Verse 4 Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Ah! Cover your mouth, Pastor Fox. We're getting into into controversial territory. We don't want to talk about predestination. We want to argue about predestination. Hey, does the Bible say it or doesn't it? It says it. So don't argue. Now, you may not understand it. Who does? it's a work of God it's not the work of men the Bible says it, God says it, I believe it notice before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love God had his eye on you ho ho when? when did God have his eye on you? when? Thank you! Give her an A, A+. That's because your husband taught you that. (laughs) Not really. Yes. Before the foundation of the world, listen, there are some things that we don't understand in Scripture. Great scholars don't understand, but they're not worth arguing about. We just get down and say, Lord, oh, it just speaks of your majesty, your might, your power, your authority. I cannot understand you, God, but I can accept you. Amen? Amen. Oh, good. Now you're getting a little bit more Pentecostal there. (laughs) So he goes on and uh, uh, he predestined us uh, to be adopted as sons. uh, to Jesus Christ according to the kind intention of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, he is freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. Wow, what a rich passage of scripture. We are chosen by the Father. You are special. You are chosen from the eternity past. God has his eyes on you and me and always did, even before the creation of the world. Isn't that what David said? That even before he was born, God knew all about him. And then, not only from me, but but we're saved to the earthly. (laughs) We we, we are saved from the eternal past. From the eternal past. But now we're saved to the earthly, to the present. God has a plan for you. And God has a plan for me, as God had a plan for Paul. So we have a wonderful uh, message to bring of the blessings that we have in God. We have it from the past. We have it for the present. We have it to live for God. And then in verses 7 through 12, we, we see that we're redeemed by the Son. So we're chosen by the Father. That's because you're special. And you always were right from the beginning of the world. And then you are say, redeemed by the Son. That is, you are saved. In him, we have redemption through his blood. We don't sing a lot about the blood of Christ anymore, do we? How often do we hear songs about the blood of Christ? But it is the blood of Christ that sets us free. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, right? In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. What a wonderful statement. Did you miss it? You are redeemed. (laughs) Redeemed from what? Redeemed from a sinful past. You are redeemed from a consignment to hell. You are redeemed to be a child of God. You are redeemed to be a godly father, a godly mother. You are redeemed to be a a faithful church member. You are redeemed to reflect the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are redeemed, 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 and set free to be what you could never be apart from the grace of God. But notice, we are redeemed from our trespasses, our sins, according, uh, we we are redeemed, but we are forgiven. Isn't that great? You see the progress? We are redeemed, we are forgiven, we are enriched. (laughs) Could you ask for anything better than that as a child of God? All that we need in Christ, we have. What blessings we have in him. It is all because of him, not because of us. We bow down at the foot of the cross and we claim the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as our only way of atonement. And on the basis of what he did, we are accepted in the beloved. He goes on and further he states here, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. That word, lavish. When my wife lavishes her love on me, do you know what that means? (laughs) You don't, but I do. (laughs) You get it, folks? He gave his all. He put everything on the line for us. When she said, I do, she meant I do. Wow. Wow. What a, what a wonderful, wonderful commitment. That's the commitment He has made to us. It is the commitment we should make to Him. Notice in verse 9, He has made known to us The mystery of his... will. By the way, Ephesians is is talking about mysteries and mysteries and mysteries and mysteries. Six or seven different mysteries uh, that are are, are mentioned uh, in, in Ephesians. But he's now talking here. He says, he has made known to us the mystery of his will. What was the mystery of his will? The mystery was revealed back in Genesis. When God said to Adam and Eve because of their sin... The seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent that was a promise, a veiled, veiled promise of the coming messiah. When Moses was going, Abraham was going to sacrifice his son and God stayed it, it was a picture of what was going to take place on the cross. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he Purposed in Him, which He purposed in the Lord Jesus Christ. What was His purpose? Second Peter chapter three, uh, uh, verse nine tells us He is willing that everyone goes to hell. Isn't that what He says? He is willing that none should perish; none should go to hell. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him could have eternal life. His good intention with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of times. (laughs) All of the revelation of Scripture were veiled promises of that coming Messiah. But in the fullness of time, a baby was born in a manger. And the Son of God lit up the world. And the Son of God then committed the love of God so that you and I could become the people of God. Also, verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined. Oh, there's that word again. Having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. To the end, that we who were first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. What a wonderful, wonderful message. We are saved according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. What are the all things that he is working after the counsel of his will? I don't know the all things, but I do know two things that are ordained by the counsel of his will. Number one is our salvation from sin. Number two is is our sanctification to holiness. Now, a lot of people like to talk about their salvation from sin. But they may not really want to live in the sanctification of holiness. There used to be, years ago, a holiness movement where there was an emphasis on holiness. And there still is, I think, a small segment of that holiest element. But where is holiness today? Are we really interested in being pure, without blemish, really reflecting what the character of the Lord Jesus Christ wants reflected in each and every one of our lives? Are any of us perfect? Do I sin? Don't ask my wife, okay? Don't ask my children. Don't ask my parents. You can't because they're in heaven. Do I sin? Yes. But you know what? I have a promise from the Word of God. Thomas John Fox, if you confess your sins, I am faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, Tom, go out and live the way I want you to live and don't go back to that path. Isn't that what the Holy Spirit says to you and to me? When we violate what we know is the will and the law of God, doesn't the Holy Spirit convict us? Can somebody stop that clock? You know, I'd like to preach for another hour, but I can't, I know. So we, we, we recognize here. Let's get down now to uh, the, the last few ver- two verses here, 13 and 14. In him, that is in Christ, okay, you also after listening to the message of truth the gospel of your salvation having also believed you were sealed in him with the holy spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance that word pledge you can put down payment that's what it's talking about a down payment who gave has given as a pledge or down payment of our inheritance with the view of redemption of God uh, God's own possession to the praise of his glory so what do we have in this uh, two verses he's reminding us that you are saved by the son but you are sanctified by the spirit it is the spirit of God that indwells us And you and I, we have a natural spirit that is in conflict with the spiritual spirit. And you and I have died to the old way and want the new way, the spirit of God, to live within us. But we can quench the spirit. We can shove him out of our lives. Or we can yield to the spirit. And Paul is saying that when you and I become a child of God, we want to be under the power of that down payment that God gave to us that said, when you got saved, you were sealed. You are mine forever, forever and ever and ever. And if you are really made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now sometimes you may not be acting as though you're sealed by the Holy Spirit and sometimes I don't act like I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. But we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And, we, and the Holy Spirit then brings conviction in our lives and brings us to our knees so that we can cry out, God be merciful to me a sinner. We don't look up and say, Lord I thank you that I'm not like everybody else. So we have here three interesting truths. Number one, you have the ministry of the Word. That is revelation. He talks about the Gospel. The Gospel is the Word of God. That is the revelation. That's what brings before us the truth of God. And then we also have the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit seals us. Puts God's stamp of approval upon us. His seal, His mark. He's saying to the devil, this is my child. Keep your hands to yourself. He's saying to the child of God, You're my child. Don't give the devil any territory in your life. So you have the ministry of the Spirit, and then you have the ministry of the Father. What is the ministry of the Father? He receives all the glory, he receives all the praise, he receives all the blessings. The blessings aren't because of me or aren't because of you. They're because of what Jesus has done on the cross and what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. What the Holy Spirit has done, what the Holy Spirit is doing, and what the Holy Spirit will do. And it all is for the purpose of glorifying the Father. Jesus said, I have come to do thy will, O God. And he did. And when he died on the cross, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, and I commend the finished work, the work of redemption for all mankind. What a great way to start counting our blessings by looking at Ephesians and looking at Paul and saying, Wow, Paul, you're right. What I do doesn't really, really is not the blessing. The blessing is because of what God does for me and in me. Count your blessings. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, let me just close with this thought. We said count your blessings. Have you ever thought if you don't look for God's blessings, you won't be able to count his blessings? Uh, the blessings in Scripture, the blessings in the Lord Jesus Christ, the blessings we have as a community of believers. Where they come from, they all come from the Lord Jesus Christ. So all the blessings go back to him. And that's what Paul wants all of us to understand. The blessings that we have in Christ, we're just beginning to recognize. Let us lift up our hands in holy praise and say, holy, holy, holy Lord, you deserve honor and glory and praise forever and ever. Amen. You've been a good audience. Next time I expect you to be a little bit more Pentecostal. (laughs) Father in heaven, we recognize that being a child of of yours is, is a serious commitment. And the apostle Paul was so concerned that these young believers not somehow fade away and Lord lose the wonderful impact of the gospel. He wanted them to cherish what the Lord Jesus Christ had done for them and to recognize all the blessings that they have are from him and him alone. Lord, we can count the little blessings that we have in life, the things that make us happy and seem to make us feel better, but that's not really the blessings. The blessings we're talking about are blessings that are eternal, blessings that are based on the word of God and the work of God and the wisdom of God. So we thank you, Lord, that we could be here this morning and be encouraged in our faith. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.